the podcast. My name is Thomas J. Sopvet. And I'm your co-host, Vicky Sopvet. Which makes this Scaredy Cats, the World War II zombie edition. So, Vicky, have you ever been a part of uh, the attack on Normandy before? No, but it does make up a significant element of my thesis. Yes, but you yourself were not on the beaches. No, I'm, I'm not secretly a man in my 90s. Okay, well... The movie we're going to be watching today doesn't actually deal with the beaches, but does deal with some fellas trying to make sure that the beach operation goes well. Paratroopers? Paratroopers. We are watching Overlord today. So Vicky, what do you know about this movie? I know it features paratroopers um, who really did land on just before D-Day. I know there's some Nazi zombies that may or may not be zombies. I think they might actually be like horrible mutant things and not really zombies but i don't know um but i know they're nazis so i can hate the fuck out of them which is always nice yeah fuck nazis uh that's it that's all i got is paratroopers d-day zombie slash mutant things that's not that's not bad uh so overlord was directed and written by julius avery who also directed son of a gun in 2014 which i haven't seen uh it stars Jovan Adpo as Boyce, and Wyatt Russell as Ford, and Mathild Oliver as Chloe. I don't know how you say that name. Every time, you're like, hmm, think I'll just wing it, and every time there's at least one name where you're like, this is not the right word. I think I did okay on that one. But anyway, (laughs) those three and others. Uh, The movie had a budget of $38 million, and made 41.7 back at the box office. Yeah, that's pretty good. A little tiny, little bitty return of a million dollars. <laughs> I only have, I mean, the one factoid realistically on this movie. I couldn't find a whole heck of a lot. A lot of people were just kind of comparing it to fa- actual factual Operation Overlord. So my one fact is that Operation Overlord was actually the code name for the Allied operation for the Battle of Normandy, uh, which successfully launched the invasion of Nazi-occupied Europe. Sure is. And that is where the movie gets its name. (laughs) That's all I got. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. That is a fun fact. There you go. So that's pretty much all I got to say. I know this is kind of a short part one. Hopefully our part two is a little bit meatier. Uh, Vicky, did you have anything else? Uh, it's the first time we're watching something that could be classified as zombies. That's true. Taking a big step here today. I'm a little, I'm a little stressed about that. We'll be fine. Uh, that's pretty much it. That's all I have to add, is that this is, this is really our first foray into the land of, of zombie times. It's all good. We'll live. Or maybe we won't. We'll see. But anyway, that concludes part one. Uh, we will be right back with part two after we watch the movie where we will break it down for your ears and you will find out if we did in fact live or not. So stay frosty out there. Hello, we're back with part two of Overlord. So now is the part of the podcast where we are going to break it down for your ears because we just went and watched it. Give you our thoughts. Tell you what we think. What we think, Vicky. Kills a lot of Nazis. Which is good. Punches a lot of Nazis in the face. Yeah. Always Very up, on board. Always up for that. So now is the part where we're going to break down the movie for you. So if you don't want spoilers, go watch the damn thing. Also, if you want to see Nazis get punched in the face. Go watch it. It's a good time. 
Vicky, you want to take us away? Yeah, so we start with some audio clips from famous World War II speeches. We got, you know, we will fight them on the beaches. We will fight them under the... We got Eisenhower talking about the hour being nigh. Uh, and eventually this fades into the ships and planes beginning to cross the channel on the evening of June 5th. Uh, and we get Overlord, our title card. And then we finally get to see the people we're going to spend a whole movie with. It's some paratroopers on a plane. Yeah, so we have our main boy, Boyce. Uh, we have Rosenfeld, who is like his friend, I guess. Uh, there is Chase, who is a photographer. Uh, and there is... Oh, who's the other guy? Tibbet? Tibbet. And Tibbet, who's... A dick. A Jaisy fella. But also a dick. From Jaisy. <laughs> Uh, but we also are introduced to Corporal Ford, who is a last-minute transfer, and he fought in Italy, and nobody knows anything about him, except uh, they're told that he's an explosives expert. And the reason why he's on the team is because these boys' mission is to drop into a French town where there is a radio tower in a church and blow it up so that the um, air force can cover kind of the ground troops as they uh, storm the beaches. Yes, the specific reason would be so they can't radio that there's a report. Yeah. Um, the sergeant shows up and starts with the motivational slash order giving speech. And ladies, you ready, ladies? Ladies this, ladies that. Gotta call them all ladies. Yep. Um, Boyce dozes off, has, has a little nap. And sometime later wakes up when the planes have reached France and are coming under a lot of fire. And we mean a lot of fire. Yeah, there's flak cannons and machine gun fire. A few bullets actually spray through the plane, uh, killing a, a couple of the boys, uh, unnamed fellas that are also on this plane with them. And uh, they're told basically just to chill out, stand up, get ready to drop, but they're not allowed to drop until the light goes green. Yes. Uh, the plane is now on fire at this time as the engine explodes, killing some more young lads. Uh, and it's becoming a whole time to get out of the plane. <laughs> Fortunately, the light does turn green, and they are set to go, but uh, there's some deeply unfortunate, like, half your plane is on fire. Ah. So you kind of just got to get wrestled out of the plane and yeeted into space. Yeah, specifically we're talking about Boyce, who uh, does not manage to get himself out of the plane, but needs to be grabbed by the corporal... The sergeant. The sergeant, and dragged uh, away from some fire and thrown outside. And then we continue to track uh, with Boyce as the camera's attached to him, as he's just flipping through the air, planes exploding all around him, gunshots firing this way and that. Uh, he does not appear to be having a very good time as he's trying to deploy his parachute. Yes, he does deploy his parachute successfully uh, and hits a pond, which in normal 1944 would be deeply unfortunate and almost a certain death sentence, but because Boyce is our main character, he manages to get out of his gear and escape. Yeah, he draws a knife and cuts through his paracord and uh, swims up and cuts through the parachute and is able to drag his ass on land. Yes, where he's immediately shot at. He <laughs> yeah. has to like, run into the forest. Uh, where he comes across a dead soldier and takes his rifle. So hey, at least he's got a gun now, by himself, in Nazi-occupied France mm -hmm. in the middle of the night. And he's looking for Jacob Rosenfeld, because uh, they promised they would see each other on the ground. We get the sense that they're, they're friends. And Rosenfeld is Jewish, but they don't really talk about it except for at the very beginning when he's like, you think the Nazis are just going to imprison a guy named Rosenfeld? No, I'm going to be killed if they catch me or whatever. Yes, yeah. although at this point, I think, honestly, Boyce would take 
any American? Yeah. Like, literally oh, yeah. anyone. Anybody's calling out for Jacob. Uh, he does not find Jacob, but he does find his sergeant. Unfortunately, so have, like, five Nazis. Ten, actually, yeah. specifically. Uh, and before he can do anything about that, Corporal Ford shows up and grabs him and keeps him quiet uh, as the sergeant is shot many, many times. Mm-hmm. So many times. He's shot and killed, the Nazis spit on him, and then go off to be dicks in the forest somewhere else. And, Cor- and uh, Ford explains to Boyce that... There's nothing we could do for him. It was three against ten. I've seen how you handle that rifle. Like, we would have been fucked. So. Yes. It's it's heavily implied and eventually confirmed that Boyce, by the way, is a uh, draft member of the army. He is not here voluntarily. No. And he does not really seem to have a good warlike constitution. Yeah, he, he doesn't have the chops for it, basically, is how a lot of his teammates put it throughout the film, is that he's, he's a civilian here. Really. And they're all soldiers. Yeah. He's too nice. Uh, Ford and Boyce come across Tippett, Dawson, and Morton. Mm -hmm. And they're like, hot diggity, now we got five Americans. All right. Let's start walking through the forest and talk. And Dawson begins to fill them in that he is writing a book. And uh, they're like, oh, that's what you're always scribbling on? And he's like, yeah, I I thought that I could team up with Chase, the photographer, and maybe we could write a book together. Boom! And he blows up because he steps on a landmine. And that's Rip Dawson. Rip Dawson. And Boyce is having a whole time, and Ford finally manages to yell at him enough to get through his whole time and be like, come straight to me, probe with your bayonet for mines, don't explode. Yeah. And Boyce is like, where's Dawson? And Ford's like, there is no Dawson. (laughs) It's true. He's He's, kind of disintegrated now. He's been unmade. (laughs) And they're like, tap for landmines, but don't tap too hard because you don't want to set them off. Well, how hard is too hard? You'll know. (laughs) Which, like, fair. (laughs) Uh, They do eventually make it to the tree line, the remaining four, without blowing up, where they find a corpse. Which they're like, maybe dog corpse? But there's this weird eyeball that shouldn't be here, and also it doesn't look like a dog. And it has hooves. Yeah, it's a whole... They can't figure out what it is. Um, One of them starts talking about how maybe it's, like, a jackal, Mm -hmm. like, Satan's dogs, which becomes a whole thing. Uh, But while they're having this conversation, Chloe, a French woman... Shows up. Yeah, she's out in the woods scavenging jewelry off of dead bodies, I guess is what she's doing. Uh, But she sees them and is like, oh no, I have been made, and begins to flee. And uh, Corporal Ford is like, grab her, nobody is supposed to know we're here. And so they chase after her and do eventually end up uh, cornering her. Yes, uh, Boyce starts talking to her in French. Mm -hmm. It's determined she is in fact just a civilian, and not only is she a civilian... She's a civilian who lives in Chablanc, which is where they're going. Yeah, it's where the church is, the so radio tower. Maybe she could show them the way. And so they get Boyce to ask her to show them to the town. And uh, she agrees. And, uh, Corporal Ford gives her back her knife because uh, they take away her knife because, uh, you know, you don't want this crazy lady with a knife. But gives her back her knife and they uh, head back to the town. Yes, uh, Ford takes Tippett and Morton to go see what's up. And Boyce is left with Chloe. And while they're waiting, a neighbor sees Chloe and starts blowing a whistle to alert all the Germans. Yeah, she's like, the Germans will know if you're up past curfew. And she starts blowing the whistle. And can we all just take a moment to say people that probably did that during World War II were the worst? Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, fam. Don't rat out your neighbors to a fascist government. Don't do that. For literally being outside. It's not even committing crimes. Don't do that, random French lady. But she does. And uh, Chloe is grabbed by some Nazi officers, but 
Uh, before anything too bad can happen to her, a Nazi, the Nazi officer captain uh, comes and grabs her and is, gives her back her bag and is like, go on your way, and like dismisses his men. Yes. Uh, having determined that the Americans are not more dangerous than the Germans, Chloe then takes them actually to her house. Uh, she has a whole thing about how she had to make sure the Americans were not pigs like the Germans Pigs were. like Germans. And she does reveal at this point that she speaks English. Yes, and they're like, well, all right then. Uh, they get taken back to her house where she lives with her aunt, who's very sick and shut up in a room making horrible sick wheezing sounds, mm-hmm. and her eight-year-old brother, Paul. And they're like, okay, we'll, we'll use this as our home base. They head upstairs. To the attic. Start taking inventory. What explosives do they have? Yeah, and immediately a, a discussion breaks out uh, between the four of them where Chase and Tibbet want to wait for more men. Because obviously this operation was supposed to be more than just four guys. There's a lot of Nazis in this town. So, like, realistically, they're quite outnumbered here. And so they want to wait. But Corporal Ford is like, guys, D-Day is happening tomorrow. We can't wait. Like, that tower needs to come down, and we can't wait. While they're having this conversation, they hear a woman screaming. And they look out the window to see uh, the Germans dragging two people out of a house. And they shoot the woman and drag the man away, put him in a, mm-hmm. in a truck. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? What? what's going on? Why? What are they doing with her? And Chloe's like, what they have done to so many and what they will continue to do or something like that. And I'm like, way that was, to be... That was a pretty good, actually, like, French accent. And I was like, way to be vague, Chloe. Why don't you just be like, they're making zombies. Well, she doesn't really know that. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> uh, it's eventually determined that Tippett and Martin should be sent to the meetup point to see if there are more survivors. Because mm-hmm. maybe there are more than four guys. And Boyce uh, should go downstairs to make sure it stays clear. Mm-hmm. And on his way downstairs, he passes the room where Chloe's aunt lives wheezing horribly. And she continues to wheeze horribly, uh, and eventually he gets a little glimpse of her hamburger face, because that's what her face looks like. It's not a people face. No, it's not a people face. And Chloe shows up and is like, I told you my aunt was very sick. And Boyce is like, yeah, real, real sick. <laughs> uh, they have a chat. We get some backstory. We learn why Chloe speaks English. She studied yeah, to be a veterinarian. Yeah. She tends to Boyce's wounds, because I guess he got... I some don't scratches. Know, he got some scratches. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's more of a, like, I have to clean this so it doesn't get infected, mm-hmm. but, like, the odds it kills you are small. And Boyce explains that the, or rather, Chloe says, like, your French is good, but it sounds weird. And Boyce is like, that's because I learned from my grandma, who was from Haiti, and then moved to Louisiana, and she was the one that taught me. Yes. Um, Boyce is black, by the way. Yes. If we haven't mentioned that. At this point, a German patrol pulls up, and Waffner, the head Nazi guy, and not only is he the head Nazi guy, he's the head Nazi SS guy, which is like an even worse breed than normal Nazis. It's like super Nazi. Yeah. yeah. Just the worst. <laughs> Just the worst. But he's also the one that uh, did heavy air quotes rescue Chloe from his men earlier. Uh, but he shows up to the house and leaves his men outside and comes inside and starts to undress and act like all home, home-like with her. And it's, it's clear uh, that Waffner heavy air quotes, saved Chloe because she's she's basically his sex toy while he's over here in this village in France. Yeah. Um, not in any kind of consensually agreed upon way. There's a lot of like, if you don't sleep with me, I'll take your brother and have them do crazy Nazi experiments which, on him. It's like you. Like, he's already an SS officer, yeah. but then he's an SS officer and a rapist. I'm like so- I'm sorry, Chloe. Just no redeeming qualities there. Bad Absolutely time. none. Uh, but a baseball is dropped upstairs, and, oh no, first, uh, 
Chloe's acting kind of strange because obviously she's got two Americans, two American soldiers in, in her, her attic. attic, and so she's acting strange. But she does manage to defuse the situation. However, when she refuses to sleep with Waffner, he gets upset and calls his men in. And uh, while they storm the house, they hear the sound of a baseball dropping upstairs from Paul, the little kid. Yes, so the soldiers start heading up the stairs. Chloe has just said Paul is asleep, so of course this is very suspicious. Mm -hmm. And Paul, fortunately thinking fast, is at the top of the stairs when the German soldiers get there. And he's like, I have a baseball? And like rolls it down the stairs, which of course makes the same noise. Bunk, bunk, bunk. And we we see that uh, both... Ford and Boyce are standing just out of view with their rifles pointing at the stairs, waiting for the Nazis to come up to blow their brains out. But the not, one of the Nazi uh, officers takes the ball, spits on it because he's an asshole, and then throws it back to the kid. No, that's an American baseball thing. Pitchers at that time spit on the ball before they pitch it. But he like hawks a loogie onto it. He's a dick because he's a Nazi, but I, I didn't strike that as being especially a dick. That is just like an American baseball thing from the 40s. No, I, I took it to be like you. Because he, like, he, like, snorts, and then, like... Pfft. We should point out, these guys are not actually officers. No. They're, they're Waffners. Well, that guy is, I think. No. The, he's, like, his second-in-command, at least. No, I think Waffner is the only actual officer no, in this group. These guys, these are just grunts. Yeah, okay. But anyways, convinced it's just Paul, they come downstairs, and they're like, it's just Paul, at which point Waffner is like, great, so, Chloe, you sit down, and I'll just hoist your dress up here, mm-hmm. and we'll get going. And, uh... While uh, he is kind of forcing himself on her, Boyce and Ford are watching from the attic, and it's clear that the two of them are silently having a debate uh, with Boyce being like, we can't just let this guy, like, rape this woman down here. That's not cool. We need to go kill that guy. And Ford being like, but we're secret soldiers here to make sure D-Day happens. We can't blow our cover. And you kind of understand both of their (laughs) points here, because they're both very valid. But they they don't say this with words. They're just kind of looking at each other with pained expressions until eventually Boyce stands... Uh, takes his rifle and sneaks downstairs. And while Waffner has his face in between Chloe's legs, Boyce puts a gun to the back of it. Yes. And his leg. At which point, Ford is forced also to restrain him. Uh, And Boyce is sent to get Tippett and Chase back while Ford starts to tie up Waffner. And Ford doesn't just tie him up. Ford clocks him and then headbutts him into unconsciousness and then ties him up. But again... Nazi SS officer. Fuck that we guy. We feel no sympathy. We're like, nice. None. Good job, Ford. Uh, so Boyce is on his way uh, and sees some Germans who are, like, carrying some individuals out of the compound who all look quite deformed and are, are wheezing terribly. Mm-hmm. And then while they're, like, kind of alive, squirming in a pile, uh, they are burned with flamethrowers. Yeah. And, and Boyce is like, what the fuck? Boyce is like... Don't want that. I'd much rather be in the woods. And so he goes into the woods, but the woods apparently aren't so great either, as he is sniffed out by some dogs. And... Well, he's, he's following the road. He's yeah. not just, like, in the woods. Well, but he, he jumps onto the side of the road be cut into the woods because there is a truck coming to get out of the way, and a dog sniffs him out and starts to chase him. And so to get away from the dog, he sprints after the truck and hops in the back and is like, thank goodness, I'm safe, except the truck is filled with dead bodies. Isn't that fun? Congrats, boys. You're going to a super secret research facility on a dead body truck. Isn't that just what you always wanted? Uh, He manages to get out of the truck once inside the compound before the Germans start unloading the dead bodies. But now he's in a super secret Nazi experiment bunker by himself, Mm. which is, like, not where you want to be. No, and so a voice begins to solid snake his way through the base, uh, sneaking around, and he comes across a few different kind of weird experiments. Uh, A guy that's being kept 
in a holding cell where you can look into the holding cell through a peephole. And in that peephole, we see him, like, making just horrible noises, but he looks kind of like a normal dude. And then Boyce has to hide again because we get our first view of the doctor mm-hmm. who comes and yells something and then, like, watches through the peephole while the guy just makes the world's worst noises. Yeah. And then, like, leaves. Yeah. And Boyce is like, huh, wonder what that did, and goes back over to the people, but now it's not, like, a normal guy. It's, like, horribly deformed face-melty guy. And he's like, mm, mm, don't want to fuck with that. Yeah. Think I'll, think I'll head into this room with lots of tubes and bubbling liquid. And fleshy sacks that are hanging from the ceiling. There's, like, these, uh, sacks all suspended up, and there's clearly something moving around in there. And he's like, well, that's gross. Better unzip that and see what's inside. And what's inside is goo and a head. And a hand. And a hand. And a man, weakly asking for help in French, but boys can't help, he's gotta go. Mm-hmm. And find a syringe of super secret Nazi juice. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hmm, better just super put that away for, for later. He doesn't know what it is. <laughs> it's like a weird orangish goop oh. in a syringe in a room full of hanging flesh sack people. I love it. I love it. Like, what do you want me to call that? Anyways, Boyce Boyce is like, sign me up, super secret Nazi juice. I'm just going to take this, put it in my bag, take it with me, turns around, and there's another French woman's voice asking for help. Under a blanket. And uh, he's like, oh, I can help maybe. And he goes up and turns out he can't help because this lady is nothing but a a bloody spine attached to a severed head. Which is asking for help. Which is asking for help, the head. And Boyce and I, I think, make the same expression at this point in time, which is... I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> I don't like that. Uh, but Boyce then finds Rosenfeld. Yeah, Hooray! Jacob Rosenfeld, who has been missing since the drop. Uh, however, he does not seem to be in a very good way. He is all tied up and has this big tube in his side. And uh, also like a weird like Bane mask situation happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he, so Boyce goes to uh, untie him. And uh, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to take this tube out. It's probably going to hurt. But so- before he does that, the doctor shows up, mm. so Boyce got hide, and uh, watches the doctor take another syringe of super-secret Nazi juice and stick that in a corpse, and then the corpse starts to, like, twitch around a bunch before he slides it in a morgue drawer. Mm-hmm. It's and- not a corpse no more. No, and Boyce sees that. He's like, hmm. Wild. Nazi juice brings back the dead. That Anyways. Tracks. Got on hook Rosenfeld now. And so he's like, this is going to hurt, man. I'm sorry. And so he puts his hand over Rosenfeld's mouth so they won't scream and pulls out the tube from his side, which makes a lot of real gross crunching sounds. Yeah, it's like a horrible needle nail tube thing. Yeah. It's not great. It's like a foot long needle that he pulls out of. It's not. It's not even like a needle. It's like a fucking like construction nail that they've like hammered. It's wild. But anyways, it's out. It's out of him now. And so uh, now the two of them begin to try and make their escape from this place. Yes, they get to a sewer grate, and Boyce goes, cover us, and hands the barely conscious Rosenfeld his pistol while he kicks out a grate into the sewers. And the barely conscious Rosenfeld is like, I guess I can hold this pistol and look vaguely confused about life. I'll cover you, I guess. But they do end up making their escape, and we also see that both Tibbet and Chase have made their way back from checking to see if there were any more... Uh, successful lands at the rendezvous point, and they've return- they're returning to Chloe's house. Yes, and then they're arguing over Boyce being caught, because they didn't see him on the way, he should have been there. Uh, but then Boyce and Rosenfeld return, and Ford is like, hey Boyce, did you see the tower, Boyce? 
But Boyce is kind of tripping overseeing things like a lady who's a spine attached to a head. Which, like, fair, Boyce, fair. But Ford's like, damn it, man, I need to hear about the radio tower. And he's like, you don't understand. There's some fucked up shit going on in that church. Yes, they eventually managed to communicate radio tower separate from Nazi lab. Boyce did see both. But uh, Nazi lab may be also bad, and maybe something to think about. Yes. <laughs> At this point, Ford is like, okay, Boyce, you just, you just have a little sit. Well, I interrogate Waffner by punching him repeatedly in the face with my brass knuckles. We love to see it. Waffner pulls the, I was just following orders, I don't know what's going on down there card, and we're like, you're a Nazi SS officer, Mm. stop trying to make us like Mm. you. It doesn't work. But uh, during the interrogation, Ford asks Waffner what they're doing to the people in the church. Like, what the fuck are you doing to these people? And Waffner responds that they're giving them purpose for once in their lives. And then he looks at uh, Chloe and in French says, you know, for once in their lives, they're actually useful. And uh, Chloe clearly is like, not, not a fan of that. So she leaps forward and stabs him in the leg. And Ford is like, can you please remove the angry French lady from the room? <laughs> Although I understand the emotion, she's ruining my interrogation here. And then he's like, but there's a knife here now, so I'm going to continue to drive that into your leg a little bit. Yes, we feel no sympathy for Waffner at any point. No. Um, Boyce, however, does seem kind of uncomfortable with punching a strung-up Nazi, and he, he does a lot of, like, but that's what they would do. Like, we're not we can't them. can't do that. Yeah. And, and Ford, again, is like, listen, Boyce, I get it, but we have to blow up this church in, like, two hours, man. We have to, we have to blow up this church in two hours, and torture might be the only way to get this guy to talk. So they string him up and uh, starts working over him, but Boyce does eventually get so uncomfortable that he tries to stop Ford, uh, earning himself a punch in the face. And, and getting the, sent downstairs. And getting sent downstairs. Yes. Yeah. Short while later, Ford comes down with a plan and one hour to go before those landings are going to happen. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, Chase, you go get Waffner. We'll, we'll sort it out. And Waffner is doing a, a pretty convincing corpse impersonation. Yeah, he's just kind of like hanging there from the ceiling. And so Chase comes up and pokes him with his foot uh, and is trying to get him to wake up. He's like, hey, buddy, we're leaving. Get up. Come on, man. And so he eventually ties, unties him down and uh, moves up next to him and is like, I think he's dead. So he gets up and starts to make his way downstairs. But then Waffner jumps up and uh, kicks him over and wrestles his gun from him. Yes, and then shoots him in the chest several times. Yeah. And uh, this, of course, draws all of the attention from the boys downstairs. And the boys tackles him and he's held by Tippet. And then there's a scene where there's like four people being like, Chase... Chase, you're fine, Chase. And Chase is like, hmm, not feeling so hot with this copious amount of blood gushing out of my chest. And they're like, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. But Chloe, who, oh, and at this point, we've also learned that Chloe's, the reason why she. I mentioned that, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's why she knows English, too, because she studied in London. Yes. But she's like, no, he's going to, he ain't going to make it. But they're doing the, like, you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And then he dies, and they're like, well, fuck. But Boyce is like, hey. I have some super secret Nazi juice that brings back dead people. What if I just schlop that there into Chase? At which point Chase sits up and everyone is like, uh, Chase, how, how you doing there, bud? Chase is like, I feel great. I'm really thirsty. Does anybody have water? And they give him some water from a canteen and he drinks all of it. And then he's like, I feel really weird. And then he crunches the solid metal canteen in his hands and is like, well, that's strange. At which point Tippet is like, yeah, add it to the list. <laughs> Guy who was just dead. And Ford is like, holy mother of Christ, what is happening? <laughs> uh, at which point Chase stands up and he's like, hmm, I feel hot. I'm going to take off my jacket. And then his veins start doing very weird things. Weird veiny things. And he starts saying, ah, oh, my head really hurts. And he turns around and hits his head against a beam that's in the attic, breaking it. Yes. And then he 
snaps his head backwards, clearly breaking his neck, and, like, his spine and trachea and collarbones are all moving independently while his head is backwards. And, like, stick out of his skin in places. And then he's like, oh, got my head back on. That feels better. At which point... I, again, am making the same expression that Boyce is making in this film, mm. which is, I don't want to be here. But he, he looks to Boyce and says, what did you do to me, Ed? Ed, of course, being Boyce's first name, and uh, grabs him and lifts him up in the air. And is like, what did you do to me? At which point Ford is like, okay, this isn't going to work, and unloads into him with his machine gun. Uh, so they're like, well, that was wild. But good news, it's going to continue to be wild because Chase sits up again. And at this point, Chase is clearly no longer Chase. He's just full-on crazy mutant man as he runs at them screaming. And it looks like there's going to be another fight. But then who should enter the fray but Boyce with the butt of a rifle into Chase's head approximately nine times. His head is paced. It's no longer a head. Yeah. Um, and, and we can kind of tell that this is like the moment that Boyce snaps, kind of. And like suddenly now violence is... He's got to do violence sometimes, and he's going to do violence. <laughs> yeah, Ford is like, okay, that's actually enough violence. You've succeeded. He is dead. It is head paced. You can step away. Um, Waffner in the background is like, this is a great opportunity to escape using this eight-year-old boy as a meat shield. Yeah, so he abducts Paul and goes on onto the street. At this point, there's been gunfire and screaming, so they've kind of been made. Their mission is no longer a secret. And so Waffner heads out into the streets uh, where a bunch of other Nazis pull up to try and rescue him, and a firefight ensues between the house and the Nazis in the street. Yes, and Ford, like a champ, takes out a good half of Waffner's face uh, and kills a bunch of Nazis, but Waffner and Paul are spirited away by this motor car. And then we gotta have a, a fight between Boyce and Ford, where again, I agree with both points. Because mm. Boyce is like, we gotta go rescue Paul. And Ford is like, we gotta blow up the fucking church. Mm. And it's kind of like, I understand both of you, but you can't both be correct. No. You need a course of action. However, eventually, with the help of Tibbet, Boyce convinces Ford that they can blow up the labs, the radio tower, and rescue Paul all at the same time and make their escape that way. At which point, Ford is like, you're aware that that brings our chance of like success down to nearly zero but fine. At which point, we cut back to Waffner, who's back at the Nazi lab, holding his, like, half a face, and the doctor is like, oh man, you look kind of rough, and Waffner <laughs> is like... so good, pal. <laughs> and Waffner is like, I'm gonna just stab myself with the super secret Nazi juice, and the doctor's like, no, we've never done that to the living. Don't don't stab yourself. And Waffner's like, mm, what if I do it anyways? With mean, two syringes. You mean twice? Do it twice? And then smiles with his half a face. Yeah, and uh, is clearly feeling not so bad about all of his injuries anymore. And uh, gives us a creepy, fleshy face smile. Yes. Outside of the compound, jobs are assigned, roles are tasked, and we gotta, we gotta split up. Mm-hmm. Search for clues. So They're the, not searching for clues. <laughs> no. They know, they know everything they need to know. So uh, the, the plan is that Boyce and Ford are going to go into the church and set up the charges and also rescue Paul. Uh, with the help of Chloe, and Chloe is going to go there with them, uh, and Tibbet and Rosenfeld are going to supply suppressive fire at the front of the facility to make it seem like they're under attack by a lot of guys and distract them while uh, Ford and Boyce can sneak around and set the charges. Meanwhile, Chloe is doing her best, like, oh no, sure is a shame the Nazis saw me, better run away from this one. Uh, he does catch up with her on a bridge. And it's the second in command to Waffner. 
the, that guy. That, we've seen him a couple times. Yes. He's the one that spat on the baseball. Yes. Uh, and he, he pins her down, but then Chloe starts laughing, and he's like, what? But she's laughing because Ford and Boyce are there to knock him out and tie him to the bike and put some tape on his mouth, and he is forced to drive back into the facility, yeah. opens the gate. Yeah, so he drives into the facility, he's got tape over his mouth, and he's like, and he clearly is motioning to his sidecar, but the Nazis are dumb, and they're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And they rip off the tape from his mouth, and it's revealed that the pin to the a grenade that's in his mouth is attached to the tape. So as he pulls out the pin, uh, it, uh, the tape from his mouth, it removes the pin, the grenade in his mouth, and they move the blanket from off of his sidecar, and it's just loaded up with explosives. They all leave him on the bike, run, and it blows up. Killing most of them. Killing most of them. It's great. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, meanwhile, Rosenfeld and Tippett have set up at this point and start shooting from cover. Mm-hmm. Um, Rosenfeld on a two-man machine gun and Tippett with a rifle. And inside the facility, uh, Chloe, Ford, and Boyce split up. Mm-hmm. Chloe's gonna go rescue her brother. Yeah, because they're like, we need to set the charges first, then we'll save Paul. And she's like, fuck that, and she leaves. And then uh, Ford's like, she was never gonna wait. Which yeah, is which like, is fair. fair. Yeah, 100%. Uh, in there, she finds a couple Germans, and is like, hey, where's my brother? And the one German's like, what are you gonna do about it? And she just shoots him in the she fucking face. She shoots him in his face. And, and then, then she hears the other guy, and she's like, so my brother, where he at? <laughs> and he's like, I am more receptive to this question. <laughs> we wonder why. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Boyce and Ford do find the communications tower, uh, and Ford is like, okay, I'm, I'll set up the charges here. You go set up the charges in the lab. Yes. Uh, the soldier takes Chloe to a door that we know is a, not Paul, but a door we have seen. It's the door with the horrible noise-making man that the doctor the, observed. The, the people. Door. Yes, so he opens that, and she sees just, like, a bloody, like, limb in a corner, and she's like, what is happening? And the soldier starts pulling out a gun, but then Boyce shows up. Then Boyce shows up and uh, kills him, or no, knocks, him, knocks him to the ground, and then as he and Chloe are leaving towards the labs, the Nazi wakes up and then is dragged into the cell, uh, screaming. Yes, we get some delightful noises that tickle the imagination. Mm-mm. And uh, Boyce and Chloe start moving through the lab, and meanwhile, outside, Tippett and Rosenfeld are now on the run. They're they're kind of drawing the Nazis back to the village. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of all we get on them, is just, like, they're alive still, look. They're in a World War II film. Everybody else is in a horror movie. That's true. They are <laughs> in a World War II. Except for, they were there with Chase, but like otherwise, yeah, they're just yeah. like two it, guys having a war. At this time, they're just two guys having a war about it. Yes. Yeah. Back in the labs, uh, Chloe and Boyce find Paul, who seems unharmed, and though strapped to a table, so clearly no one's had time to do any nefarious experiments. Mm. And Chloe takes Paul and is like, okay, let's go. And Boyce is like, no, I do actually still have to string up a lot of explosives here. Yeah, I'm going to be here a while. But you, abs- you 100%, that's good for you. You get out of here. Yeah, like, you go, fella. <laughs> like, off you, off you trot. Yeah. Um, so Chloe takes Paul, and they make it to a sewer. Uh, and Paul gets in the sewer, but just before Chloe gets in, she is grabbed by the horrible mutant thing that has been living in that cell. Yeah. It's it's one of those, like, thing that was a man, but is not a man no more. Like, he's got one eyeball has, like, migrated into his cheek, and, like... And he's, like, covered in so much moist moisture. He's a very moist boy. It's a, it's a rough <laughs> time. He's uh, got, like, stringy drool, like, spilling out of his 
lips. It's it's bad. It's gross. And uh, it's worse for Chloe, though, because he grabs her and throws her into a wall. And uh, clearly these guys have super strength, and we've seen that so far. And so he makes his way over to her and grabs her. But she does manage to get her gun up underneath his, che- underneath his chin and fire into his brain like three times, causing him to fall over. But that's not the end of him as he gets back up and begins to chase her through the facility. Yes. And uh, she's running, she's running. And then she finds a flamethrower and is like, hot diggity dog, better flamethrow that mutant. Uh, Which she does, and then she's like, okay, job done. Ditch the flamethrower, get out of here. Go find Paul, who has presumably escaped through the sewers. Mm -hmm. And so she's she's out of here now. Um, Ford is busy in the control room setting up the charges. And we see he's just kind of finished, but he's... He's just, he hasn't quite set them yet, but he's done stringing them all up. Uh, when he is suddenly grabbed by Waffner, who is now just a superpower mutant man. With half a face. With half a face. And uh, beats him up. And meanwhile, Boyce is found by the doctor yeah. while stringing up the labs. But fortunately for Boyce, who's fighting kind of in tandem with the doctor while Waffner is beating up Ford, uh, the doctor is not a soldier. No. And gets his throat cut relatively easily. Yeah, Blaze turns a scalpel around on him and stabs him with it. Uh, yes. Ford is not so lucky, though, as Waff... Oh, sorry. Uh, before we get back to Ford and Waffner, we get another shot of Tippett and Rosenfeld, who are now back in town, and Paul shows up by himself. This little, like, eight-year-old running through the middle of a war zone. And Tippett, who has been a dick this whole time, is like, fine, I guess I better go rescue well, he's, he's, he's been a dick, but we've also shown that, like, most of his interactions in this movie have actually been with the kid. So he sees the kid in the road, and he's like, ah, crap, Rosenfeld, cover me, and uh, runs out into the street to grab him. Grabs him successfully, on, but on his way back, he deposits Paul into nearby Rosenfeld, but he gets shot. Yes, just as Chloe turns up. Uh... And then they're like, hey, did you see Boyce or Ford? And she's like, no. So the camera decides to show us what Ford is up to. He is not having a very good time uh, as he gets beaten over uh, a lot. And then he is picked up and deposited onto a meat hook by Waffner and pales him on it. It's terrible. And then uh, he takes the brass knuckles that he was beaten with earlier and starts to beat him up while he's hanging from a meat hook. It's rough. It's yeah. honestly, it's, it's a rough time. Bad times for Ford. Uh... Boyce shows up and starts shooting Waffner, who's like, lol, what about it? (laughs) Bullets? What are those? And Waffner and Boyce start fighting, and Boyce is losing handily, but he is buying enough time for Ford to agonizingly pull himself off of the meat hook he's impaled on, which is equally rough to the bit of him being impaled on the meat hook. Yeah, it's pretty nasty, but he falls to the ground, and he's like, well, that sucked, and he turns his head and... But what should there be? Super secret Nazi juice. Hooray! And he's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And so he grabs that. Uh, Meanwhile, Waffner. Meanwhile, Waffner and Boyce are fighting. And Waffner's got Boyce uh, and he's drowning him in a pool of, like, dead bodies. Yeah, it's it's just a vat of water with some, like, corpses floating in it. Yeah, drowning him in, in uh, in the water. When suddenly he is impaled from behind by a sharp pipe, uh delivered unto him by Ford, who is now standing up and doesn't seem to mind the probably immense amount of injuries he has. I think he still minds them. He seems a little yeah. a little haggard. Uh, Waffner, on the other hand, is like, lol, pipe? What's that going to do to Pull me? Pull that out. But I think that's the difference between like one injection and two, because Waffner had two, Ford had one. Also, being a crazy Nazi SS officer and the good guy. Yeah. Like, that also is going to oh, sure. affect things. Um, but... Meanwhile, they get to tussling again, and Waffner has kind of knocked Ford down. But Ford sees Boyce in the corner, and there's 
again, a silent communication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Before that, Waffner's like, how does it feel to have the power of the gods running through your veins? And Ford's like, to be honest, it's not very fucking great. And, like, touches him. <laughs> um, but Waffner, feeling he has both men now handily dealt with, starts basically giggling maniacally. And Ford is like, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just roll this canister over to your feet. And he's like, what's that gonna do? But surprise! It's gonna explode, because Boyce is gonna shoot it. Yeah, so Waffner gets blown up. And uh, we think that's the end of him, uh, as Boyce and Ford finish setting up the charges in here. And then they make their way towards a gate and open up the gate, but Ford shoves Boyce through and then locks himself in. Yes, and Ford, and Boyce rather is like, Ford, Ford, what you gonna do? And Ford looks at him and he's not looking so hot. His Aww. eyes have gone like scarlet and he's like, listen, we don't want the serum. We don't want the Americans getting the serum either. Yeah. In fact, nobody should have the serum and you should blow up the whole thing. And Boyce is like, but Ford. And Ford is like... Hey, look, a stick of dynamite. Or C4, C4 actually. C4, yeah. Yeah, but he, or whatever. I don't know. Was it C4? Would it have been C4? It's plastic explosives. Whatever it is. I think it would be C4. I don't know. Um, that would make sense, because C4 has been around as long as dynamite. Has it? Yeah, since like 1875. It's just dynamite that you add something to that makes it like... Valuable. Yeah. Wild. Um, but yeah, he's got a big stick of that, and he's like, yeah, the Nazis shouldn't have this. And neither should the Americans. Nobody should have it. So I'm going to blow it up. And Waffner is not dead. Right. But he also says to Boyce, but also I didn't finish arming the control room. So you still need to get there and arm it. Because that's the whole mission. Yes. And Waffner starts climbing out of the pit looking not like a people. No. Um, And also some guys from within the like morgue chutes that have been stabbed start wandering around. Um, But Ford is like, hmm think I'll, I'll blow us all up now, which is definitely Rip Waffner. Like, mm. it's a lot of explosives. A lot of explosives. That's the lab. And that's Rip Ford, too. He he was kind of dead, I think, from the meat hook times, realistically. Well, but I'm but... saying, like, that was Rip him, that was Rip Waffner, that was Rip the other mutants, Rip all of them. Yes. Except we only really want Ford to, be, to like, Rip. Remember, rest and pain is a thing, too. Oh, I guess that's true. We, we established right. that. Uh, anyways, Boyce gets to the tower, sets the timer, and fucking hoofs it through the exploding yeah. facility. And we get a really cool uh, single-take shot of him running through the facility as it's blowing up around him, uh, barely able to escape uh, as the entire church behind him collapses Yes, as he's running away. We cut to a radio uh, announcing that Allied armies have begun landing successfully on the northern coast of France, and this message will repeat... Uh, we also see that Chloe is treating Tippett, so obviously he did not die. And the French townspeople are starting to come outside, presumably because they've just got a radio announcement and there's, like, bombers and stuff flying overhead Planes, now. yeah. Uh, at this point, Boyce shows up and they're like, Boyce! And Boyce is like, I'm gonna just sit on this bench with my thousand-yard stare for a while. He's all covered in dust. He's like, yeah, I'm just gonna sit there. And they're like, is Ford? And he just goes, no, no, Ford died. And they're like, fair, fair, we won't, we won't press. Yeah. Uh, sometime later, presumably, uh, Boyce is reporting to a CEO who tells them that they'll be folded into Charlie Company. Because there's yeah. only three of them left. Yeah. And then he's like... By the way, we heard some rumors that there was, like, a weird Nazi lab. You wouldn't know anything about that, right? Like, we, is there anything worth digging for? And Boyce is like, nope. sure isn't. <laughs> and the officer's like, seems legit. Okay. 
Thanks, See you man. later. <laughs> and they, uh, he goes out to where um, Rosenfeld and Tibbet are. And Paul. And Paul. Playing cards. Playing cards. And uh, tells them that they're going to be folded back into C Company. So they're going right back to war after all that. And Tibbet's like, really? And, and uh, Boyce says, well, of course. It's not over yet. We still got to get Tibbet to Hitler. So and he then, can shoot him. And because at the beginning, I think we didn't say it, but uh, that Tibbet is a was, joke that Tippett has. Yeah, used. at the very beginning, that they just need to get him to Hitler and pop. They can all go home, and so that's how it ends. Yes, uh, we get our credits. It's a good time, and then I guess we get to our ratings. Yeah. So that was Overlord. Uh, now is the part of the podcast where we're going to assign it some ratings. So Vicky, scale of one to ten, how well made was this baby? I'd give it like. A seven. I think the effects are really, really good. Like, they're not afraid to be like, yes, look at Waffner's half a face. Look at, like, Chase flipping his neck backwards with, like, things moving around. Like, the effects are really well done. I feel like they could have made a bit more use of, like, the setting. It just sort of seems to conveniently explain, like, we don't need to give you backstory because the Nazis are dicks, so we know they're going to do weird experiments. Like... I don't know. I, I, so I'm going to give it a 7, because I think like it's got a really good mix, but it could have utilized itself mm. a little more. We, we, do kind of ex- they, we do kind of throughout the movie, and it isn't kind of... It's not communicated very well, but we do find out that the Nazis are there because there's some tar under the village, and they've basically been like distilling the tar via the French people into the serum. But it's not really explained super well, but that is what's going on. Yeah, it's... I don't know. It... It feels like the war movie and the horror movie are kind of like two separate fighting. things. Yeah. They're incidental to each yeah. other. And that's, yeah, I guess now my turn. So I actually uh, would also give it a seven. And it's pretty much for the same reason that you did, is I feel like the two concepts are at odds with each other almost. Uh, it's it's not egregious. Like, it's, it's not just two different movies that are happening. It is one movie. It's just that the concepts don't seem to mesh super smoothly. And I feel like they could have made it mesh a little bit more smooth if they had done a little bit more exposition maybe yeah or like brought a little more of the war into it or like because it starts off like very much like a war movie but then it's like oh now we're gonna go be a horror movie with maybe some war stuff happening in the background yeah well like it yeah it's so but yeah the effects are really really good uh some of the shots are great the acting is all great so yeah seven for me as well so now on a scale of one to ten how much did you enjoy it a six it was it was lots of fun. It was like a fun ride. Um but again, it was it was it felt a little disjointed, which made it hard to enjoy as we like bounce back and forth between different stories. But like six, six and a half. Yeah. Uh I would give it a seven, I think. Uh I enjoyed it when I first saw it in the theater, and I've enjoyed it pretty much every time I've watched it since I've actually seen it like four times now. because uh, I've watched it with a few different people. But uh I've enjoyed it every time. So that is the mark of a good movie. And that's kinda of the only justification I need for that. If I can watch something four times and sure. still like it every time. Yeah. So seven for me. It's so now on a scale of one to ten. How spooky was it? For spooks, I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. Why are you smiling at me like that? <laughs> the halves again. Yeah. I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. Yep. I'm gonna do it. They give movies like three and a half stars in the newspaper all the time. I'm allowed to use halves. Carry on. Um, Anyways, but I felt like I I didn't, I wasn't scared 100% of the time. Like, I wasn't constantly on the edge of my seat, but in like bits with the lab or like when he's getting impaled on the meat hook or when Chase like snaps his head backwards and like all the stuff is moving in his neck, like, I did not like those. Uh, Those were distressing to me. So... 
That's why I'm going to give it that. Yeah. I'm going to give it a solid four, actually. Uh, it doesn't scare me, per se, but the effects are spooky. Uh, the monsters are spooky. That bit with Chase with him snapping his head back. In the, when I saw it in the theater, I was like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, a four seems like a pretty fair rating to give it. So that was Overlord. Hope you guys enjoyed us breaking it down for you. Uh, join us next time when we take a look at the Nicolas Cage classic, Color Out of Space. It's only like a year old. It can't be a classic. It's classic it's already. already. All I've right. decided. All right. So join us when we cover that. However, for now, I am Thomas J. Sotvet. And I'm your co-host, Vicky Sotvet. And if you want to chat at us, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter at ScaredyPodcasts we're a podcast and we have cats it's hilarious every time uh and until then good night and be cool to each other